This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is BetQL Daily, presented by FanDuel from BetQL. Welcome back, BetQL Daily. Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth with you on this Monday, just six days away from the big game. And every Monday around this time, we check in with Odyssey NFL insider Michael Lombardi. Joining us on the Roman guest line, uh, we've got Michael Lombardi. You can also hear Michael on the GM Shuffle podcast, his weekly podcast. It's available on the Odyssey app. So, Michael, help us uh, with the schedule. Right now, a lot of the media is uh, is heading out west. It's really going to ramp up later on in the week. But can you kind of go through what the teams did last week to prepare and where we sit on this Monday? You know, last week for teams in the Super Bowl that have a two-week break in the action is the the main week. What they ultimately do is uh, act as if the game would be played this Sunday, this past yesterday. So they prepare Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday they practice, Thursday practice, Friday practice, probably gave the players off, and then they bring them back in on Monday. Usually you travel on a Monday day. But the game plan is done, and what you'd like to do is to be able to accumulate duplicate practice time running the same plays. So, for example, if you, during the week, say your offense can run 100 plays in all situations, then because you have this two-week, you end up running 200 plays. And the difference between this two-week break and a bye week is the players are not allowed four days off. It's a normal week with the exception of you've got to have a week, a day off, but it's a normal week as if they were truly playing a game on Sunday. So this allows for a better execution in terms of the game. Some books we were just talking about are at four and a half. Some are at four. Um, now that you've had some time to think about it, is there a side um, that you like in this one? You know, I, I thought when the line came out originally, uh, I thought it was low. Uh, you know, it started at three and a half and, I didn't understand how the Chiefs could be a seven-point favorite and the Rams, who are playing in their own stadium, and there is no home field advantage, but typically there's not, is we're only a three-and-a-half point. So what that tells me is would the Rams be a field goal uh, uh, behind the, the, the Chiefs? I don't think so. And the way that the, the Rams have played during the postseason, I mean, when you just examine their numbers, I mean, Stafford's thrown for over nine yards per attempt got six touchdowns, just one interception. Their run defense has been spectacular. Their third down defense is only allowing teams to convert at 18%. So to me, when you look at those numbers, 
you say, wow, how is this only a three and a half point game? And then eventually it got up to four and a half and it's going somewhere between four and a half and five. To me, that still seems light. You know, I know most uh, the the gray area after you get from three and a half to, to five and a half is, is a gray area because most games don't land on those numbers. But to me, I think Sean McVay has learned from the past Super Bowl. I think his team will be well prepared. And I think this defense, which has been really good, will be able to handle what I think they can, what I think the, the, the Bengals offense. Michael, which head coach quarterback combo would you rather have on your side? Well, I mean, look, I, I think that Burrow's spectacular. And I think you got, you got to give a lot of credit to him. He gets rid of the ball and to Zach Taylor for being uh, able to uh, work around a really bad offensive line. The most amazing thing to me is this offensive line for the Bengals has only been called for holding one time in the last two games. How that's possible, I don't know. I mean, when you give up nine sacks against Tennessee, and essentially it was 11, two of them got called back because of penalties, delay of the game and, and, uh, and a timeout. But, uh, you know, I, I find that hard to believe. And I think that Taylor has, you know, has got to get the ball out of, out of Burroughs' hands quickly, especially in this game where Span, the left guard, is going to have a hard time blocking Aaron Donald. And the way the, 49, and the, way the Rams attacked the 49ers, what they simply did is they said, look, you're not a very good drop-back pass team. We're going to set the edge on both sides. We're going to rush five and you're not going to be able to run the ball, and you're not going to be able to block us one-on-one. I think that's going to be the simple game plan that they're going to utilize when they play the, when they play the Bengals. So Burrow is going to have his work cut out for him. McVay, to me, the experience of being in the Super Bowl, having learned the lesson from what he coached against Belichick, and also having a team that he feels can kind of attack a secondary for the Bengals pretty easily, I think McVay and, and Stafford, Stafford have the advantage. Do you think the over could be in play? I do. I do. I really do. And I know everybody thinks, you know, these games, the under comes in and the overs are kind of a fan bet, but I don't see it that way. I think it, I think to me that they will ramp up the, uh, they will ramp up their offense. I think they need to play from in front, force Burrow into having to throw the ball all the time and, and not allow Zach Taylor and the Bengal offense to control the pace of the game. I think that's really what you want to do is kind of speed this game up. And I think the Rams will run the ball, which would say, okay, the under is going to be in play. But I think they're going to run the ball to set up play action and throw the ball down the field. They're averaging nine yards per attempt in the passing game, which is significant against a really good team. The 49ers defense is better than the Bengals defense. There's no doubt about that. The Bucks defense is better than the Bengals defense, and they were able to move the ball effectively in those games. With Michael Lombardi, Odyssey NFL Insider, this is BetQL Daily on the BetQL Network. Uh, Michael, quick thought on uh, some of the Super Bowl props that are available. Uh, the Superbook dropped 500 back on Thursday night. I know some sports books right now, they're up to 900, knocking on 1,000 various props available. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? And uh, if any that, that you're taking a look at have stood out. You know, I, I, the props market is always fascinating to me. I, I mean, I really think this, the borough, uh, I think the, the running game, if you can, you know, you can't just do it running game, but I think Mixon will have a hard time running the football. I do think that, I, I don't know whether it's going to be Akers or Michelle, but I think Michelle's rushing total will go over. I like that. I, I do think that Cup, uh, I, I think Cup, you know, at eight and a half, most times it's eight and a half, uh, seven and a half. 
receptions. It's hard. I mean, he's got 21 receptions in three games, and he gets the ball, and you keep wondering how he keeps doing that. So they've set that number really to want you to take the under, which I think might be in play. Uh, the other one I like, too, is I like Higgins' over number because I think they will take Chase out of the game, and I think Higgins will catch a lot of balls. Michael, I covered Kevin O'Connell when he was here in Washington with Kirk Cousins. I'm curious your thoughts. Uh, the two, it looks like they're going to reu- reunite in Minnesota. What are your thoughts on Kevin O'Connell to the Vikings? Well, I mean, I think the Vikings are, are taking the same approach that a lot of teams in the National Football League are taking. They're going into more analytically driven scouting departments, and they're hiring young coach to allow their analytic department to support what they want to do. And I think Kevin's a really smart guy, not a lot of experience, but I think through the Viking organization, they're going to try to have him speed up. You know, this is the trend of the national football league today is hire young coaches and basically devalue the head coaching position. Let him hire a defensive coordinator, hire special teams, focus him on strictly the offense and then see where we can go and utilize the uh, analytic department to help in the draft and also help in calling plays. So uh, if you want to achieve that goal, I think ultimately you need to be able to uh, hire someone very young who's not ultimately set in their ways. So everyone's going offensive head coach, McDaniel. Uh, we, we can hit him, Peterson, Dayball. I mean, Hackett. They're all going that route. Josh McDaniels, of course. And then the Bears go defense, and Luke Getze is the offensive coordinator. Huge, huge hire. Year two of Justin Fields. And Getsy's going to be the guy that uh, needs to help develop fields, and he's going to have to call plays, something he didn't do last year. What's your thought on the Bears' approach with Getsy? Well, I think what Getsy has to do is simply uh, uh, is simply figure out exactly what offense he needs to run that really, really magnifies the skill set of Justin Fields. I don't think Getsy can come in and say, "This is what we're going to run." Fields, you run it. I think he needs to do a really good job of self-styling and really examining what Fields does well, what Fields doesn't do well, and tailor an offense around that skill set. And then build an offense that becomes the Bears' offense for years to come. Because if Getsy's productive, he's going to get a head coaching job. So if you're Matt Eberflus, you can't allow him to walk out of the building with your offense. You've got to have a Bears' offense, not just a Getsy offense. And I think that's ultimately the task at hand. As for hiring offensive coaches, look, you know, I, I think that's, it really comes back to Teams want to hire someone that they feel can develop their quarterback and make their quarterback stand out, much like Zach Taylor's been able to do with Joe Burrow. Michael, I'm curious your thoughts. The Houston Texans just tweeted out, we have completed additional discussions with Lovey Smith regarding our head coaching position. Seems like the next step would be hiring him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Lovey Smith potentially going to the Texans as the new head coach? I, I mean, I think Lovey deserved an interview. I think he deserves consideration. I mean, if you watch how they play defense this year, they played hard. They weren't always good, and they didn't have a lot of great players. But, but I, I think to me that when you examine it, uh, you know, they, they played as hard and gave as much effort from game one to game 17 as any team in the league. And that's a tribute to Lovey Smith and handling all the conditions that were going on. They were never very good on offense. I mean, if you watch the 49er tape, I mean, they had a chance to, to beat the 49ers when the 49ers are playing really well. They intercept the pass and then they turn it back over. But, you know, they don't get the call by the officials. And so they say the clock was stopped. So, but, I mean, this effort that they gave in every single game, I thought was a tribute to Lovey. And I think he deserves consideration. He was successful 
in Chicago. He wasn't as successful in Tampa Bay. And, and now as he rebuild, they rebuild Houston, it gives them some stability if they go in that direction. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, Michael, when I think about the Saints job, in a perfect world, you don't want to be the guy after the guy. You'd rather be the guy after the guy after the guy. Uh, so <laughs> what, what do you think the Saints are going to do as uh, Sean Payton has moved on? You know, I mean, it makes all the sense in the world to, to, to hire Dennis Allen. But I think to me, one of the things you have to be really concerned about is, is balancing continuity with being able to not be a dull voice. And I think Dennis Allen did a tremendous job. He, you know, is the head coach of the Bucs. He beats the Bucks nine to nothing with his defense, shuts out Tom Brady, which I thought was a major accomplishment and handled the, the play calling duties of the defense and being the head coach that day. So he's certainly well qualified to take over, but I think Mickey Loomis has got to decide what does he want to do with the future of the franchise? How does he want to change the franchise? What does he want to do in terms of the style? Does he want to stay within the Sean Payton uh, uh, way or does he want to bring somebody in from the outside? And ultimately if you don't make enough changes, people say, well, we did it this way. Why don't we change it? And it creates conflict within the organization. So uh, all signs point to Dennis Allen, but I could see, see Loomis saying, you know what? We need to change the direction a little bit because we're going to go through a lot of changes. Michael, I've heard you mention a couple of times you're working on a book and I'm so curious what it is about when we can expect the release. Well, it's a book about the it's a book about the Hall of Fame. It's a book about trades. It's a book about the NFL draft. It's kind of a book about football, basically. A lot of the book centers on trying to make some sense of what, how people, players get in the Hall of Fame. You know what? What? Why Tommy McDonald got in the Hall of Fame and why Del Schaffner isn't? You know why is Dick Vermeil going to be in the Hall of Fame and Marty Schottenheimer isn't? You know, and I think it's a lot of that conversation. It's a debate that goes on outside why the Hall of Fame doesn't have criteria for positions. I mean, we're going to enter into an era where we have a ton of receivers with a lot of catches, you know. And so when you just look at catches and you don't look at anything else, whether it's wins, Pro Bowls, all decade, and you start letting all these receivers into the Hall of Fame, is it really a Hall of Fame or is it the Hall of Receivers? And then what, what quantifies whether a receiver is truly a Hall of Fame receiver? For example, you know, when I was in the league and you would play against some receivers, you would drive to the stadium and not worry about it. Some of those guys got in the Hall of Fame. You know, if you went to go play the New England Patriots and you were playing against Stanley Morgan, you were worried about it, you know, and you were scared to death of it. So, and he's not in the Hall of Fame. So I, I think a lot of that is the conversation, talking about the arrows. Cecil Isbell, for example, the Packer quarterback, is the only quarterback in the NFL who's on an all-decade team but isn't in the Hall of Fame. Now they say, well, he only played four years, but he was dynamic in what he did, and he deserves to be recognized. And I think we've lost a lot of these great players, Schaffner, for example, the Cecil Isbell, and I write about a lot of those that I think should be in the Hall. And more importantly, the Hall should have a criteria for every position. Like they should, there should be standards of excellence, and I did this for the coaching chapter. There should be standard of excellence that you must achieve 
you know, Dick Vermeil is a 52% winning percentage coach, you know, and he, and, and he won one Super Bowl. He went to two, he won one. Whereas Marty Schottenheimer is one of 10 men in the history of the league of 500 coaches who have been named head coach who has 200 wins. Now, Marty never went to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl, but you try winning 200 games in the National Football League. There's only 10 men who have done it. That's a hard thing to do. Yeah, Uh, Michael, we've got about a minute left. Uh, Roger Goodell always speaks the Friday before the Super Bowl. He's going to have a lot of tough questions uh, to answer with the media on Friday. What did you think of the memo he sent out to all clubs over the weekend? You know, I think, look, uh, you know, it's something I think the league has to continue to work on. And, I, and I've been preaching this since I wrote Gridiron Genius. I think there needs to be a way to develop coaches. Uh, and I don't say that there's not coaches who are African-American or minority coaches who aren't developed now that shouldn't be head coaches. But I think there needs to be a feeder program. You know, really, when you want to change something, you have to start at the grassroots level. And young coaches need to be trained on leadership. And I think the league misses a huge opportunity to create a leadership academy for training that. Terrific insight, as always, from Michael Lombardi. Joining us on the Roman Guest Line. Get a free online evaluation for, and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. Go to GetRoman.com slash BetQL now to get $15 off your first month. That's GetRoman.com slash BetQL. Coming up next, more Super Bowl props. BetQL Daily, Joe Ostrowski, Aaron Hawksworth, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook.